Hello and welcome to a spooky special of Jumpcast, the podcast brought to you by the award-winning team at Jumpcut Online. My name is Nick and I'm here to do a first-time watch review of the infamous Texas Chainsaw Massacre by Toby Hooper. Uh, and to do so, joining me firstly is none other than Tom Sheffield. How are you, Tom? Hello, hello. thanks for having me on. Yeah, I'm good, thanks. How are you? Yeah, all right. Feeling spooky, as you could tell from my my ghost impression. <laughs> I like, I like to begin with. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was practicing that all week. Uh, and joining me and Tom is it's it's our it's our well our regular at this point. It's Reese. <laughs> How are you, Reese? I'm very well, thanks. Um, the build up to that introduction was not worth it. I'll be honest. Um, <laughs> I appreciate the effort though to add a bit of spooky to the We need some like theme music for you when you're on the episode. I need an introduction now. Just like It was as good as I could muster after a day of work, I'm afraid. I'll let you off. I'll let you off. Thank you. but yes, as I mentioned, the three of us here are here to on this Halloween special to review the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, uh, say the Toby Hooper film from 1974. Um, It's the first time any three of us have watched it, so this is going to be an interesting episode, I think, from having a little chat beforehand on where where we think we all sort of lie on the spectrum of it. Uh, So we'll get into that, but firstly, just to mention that this episode is brought to you by our patrons. And our patron subscribers over at patreon.co.uk, which you can find on our website, jumpcutonline.co.uk. There's three tiers you can subscribe to on there to support the site in uh, everything that we do there. And 100% of the money we get uh, sent to us by our patrons goes to our writing team. Um, And if you subscribe at the top tier of those three tiers, it uh, enables you to get a shout out on each episode of Jumpcast. So Chris Wilson, Let There Be Light Productions, Zoe Baines, Daryl Griffith, Sam Luck, Orla Smith, Peter Hodgkins, Andy Meakin, Fabio Rosas, Hamish Calvert and Martin Richmond. Thank you all very much for your continued support. And literally, we couldn't do it without you. But it's time to get serious and time to get spooky. <laughs> as we talk about, as I've said, Toby Hooper's, I always, I, whenever, I, in fact, that's, that's the point, I've never heard his name said out loud before. And I've always thought it was Tobe. I thought, I've always thought it was Tobe as well. And then I watched an interview with him uh, on YouTube this week. And now it is Toby, which is, oh. just spell it with a Y. Good to know. <laughs> but yes, yeah, so Toby Hooper uh, and courtesy of IMDb, Uh, This is a synopsis for The Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Two siblings and three of their friends en route to visit their grandfather's grave in Texas end up falling victim to a family of cannibalistic psychopaths who must survive the terrors of Leatherface and his family. As I said, it was directed by Toby Hooper, uh, written by Toby Hooper and Kim Henkel, uh, and it stars Marilyn Burns, Alan Danzinger, Paul Partain, William Vale, Terry McMinn, Gunnar Hansen and many others. Not many others, some others. Um, question for both of you and myself. Why did it take you so long to getting around to watching Texas Chainsaw Massacre? That is a good question. Um, was it a, was it an active active decision not to watch it, <laughs> or or is it just something that like is just along with a lot of things is just escaped you along through the years? I would say it's it's more it's escaped me, and I I'm a very kind of active horror film watcher in the sense that I get incredibly easily scared, I jump easily, and I just kind of it always takes a bit of energy to like encourage myself to watch a horror film, not just this one, any mm-hmm. kind of horror film. Um, 
so I, psych yourself up. Yeah, exactly. Um, so this has just been a list on my list of film-related sins for several years. And this week, as I'm off work for a week on half term, I thought I'd better scratch up some of the sins, which I've done this week. I've watched quite a few horror films this week, and this was finally one of them where I could get off the list. So it's, it was no specific reason why I've not watched it. It just, I never got around to it, really. Was anything else? It's one of those ones that slipped through the net. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. About yourself, Tom. Same same problem, same issue. Uh, similar, yeah. I mean, me and, I'm starting to learn, me and, me and old horrors don't really, don't really get on. <laughs> um, I've never, I've never been horror's biggest fan but i am with sort of the new the new age of horror that you know has come out in the past like sort of decade um some that's generally where my my favorites lie um but yes yeah, so i'd not avoided it i'd i'd heard about the film you know and, and leatherface and you know um can't escape in october without seeing seeing them somewhere mm. um but yeah like me in sort of like 70s and 80s horrors um I'd not, I'm so behind on it all. I think it was a couple of years ago I did um, the 365 film challenge or something, and a chunk mm. of that in that October was like the Nightmare on Elm Street, the um, Friday the 13th, and things like that. And for whatever oh, yeah, that reason. Would, that would get rid of about your third of your total films. I watching all of them. <laughs> Especially the Friday the 13th ones. Yeah, God, that, that seemed to never end. Um, but yeah, but I, I, for, what, for one reason or another, Texas Chainsaw Massacre was missed out of that list. So. It wasn't intentional, but yeah. Uh... Um, yeah, I'm probably in a similar boat to you, Tom. Really, in that when I have been watching, because uh, my cinema sin list is infinite; <laughs> it goes on forever. Um, and particularly horror films, when I go back and look at sort of uh, stuff from the 70s and 80s, and maybe even the 60s in some cases, uh, I've not got on too well with horror films. Uh, so old horror films as well. Uh, the same as you tom so it's probably one that i've sort of not knowingly avoided but also sort of subconsciously avoided watching mm. uh the exorcist is one of the same ones uh, um as well that i've avoided until until literally a couple of days ago i watched the exorcist i watched that recently um, too yeah yeah um i get for the similar reason same reason that like i don't tend to get on too well with old films but also i think for something like the exorcist and texas chainsaw massacre uh, they are widely regarded as absolute sort of classics mm. um, and sort of g- genre-defining and sort of era-defining films. And again, and my experience generally with some things that are regarded as classics isn't turned out to be too positive most of the time. <laughs> I was going to say, um, I watched like The Godfather and thought it was shit, and I'm just like, yeah, what? I, <laughs> <laughs> I did not enjoy The Godfather. Uh, I thought it was... It was okay. It was, uh, I don't know. It wasn't okay. I just didn't like it. Um, <laughs> yeah, and so that is my experience. So I think even if I wasn't intentionally avoiding Texas Chainsaw Massacre and um, The Exorcist, which I watched this week, which again, I think was fine. <clears throat> but uh, I didn't think The Exorcist was incredible. I thought it was fine. Um, I may have subconsciously been avoiding um, The Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Um, so I assume that the expect- expectations for the two of you are pretty pretty sky high because I've seen a lot of people on Twitter this week, obviously uh, being uh, the late October when we were recording this and Halloween season's in full flow, that loads of people are watching horror films on Twitter and 
Texas Chicks, like Tommy, you said Texas Chainsaw Massacre is one of those ones that everybody always seems to rewatch every year and every single year. I see the same people and same tweets going out that it's like, this is an absolute amazing horror, like the epitome of horror film. Yeah, yeah, there was, um, there was a lot of that this week. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Not from me, but <laughs> there was a lot yeah. of that on Twitter. Yeah, I did see a lot of that. Uh, yeah, I saw, yeah. I don't know whether it's because we had this episode lined up, but I was noticing a lot of Texas Chainsaw Massacre stuff on the timeline um, this week. <sighs> Where to start? <laughs> well, we'll go. We'll, we'll go just for a blanket opinion, and then we'll sort of dive into how we formulated those opinions. Tom, oh, blanket man. sort of baseline appearance uh, uh, opinion to throw you under the bus. What do you? Uh, <laughs> what did you think of Texas Chainsaw Massacre? Um. I just, I was quite bored. I found it quite, I don't know what, I, I didn't really go in with any expectations. I've sort of learnt my lesson with that, as with sort of older films, is I know it's generally quite loved, but I didn't go in thinking, right, expect a masterpiece kind of thing. Um, mm-hmm. And I settled in, it was 10 o'clock at night, it was uh, all the lights off, I sat with my laptop. Optimum, optimum and, watching experience. Uh, yeah. yeah, I got in the zone, I got in the zone and, and, and was ready for this and and all it was was these teenagers yelling at each other in a in a bus and, and <laughs> <laughs> for for like what forty minutes or something. Um, but yeah, we just I don't know. It just didn't quite go to the extent I would have thought it would have gone with it being so popular, like mm. horrible. Like even even some of the kills were just kind of not tame, but you know wasn't weren't gruesome and 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 kind of how I would have expected them to be. Um, it does have some redeeming qualities, which which we'll you know we'll come to later. But yeah, for me, I just I was just quite bored. Reese, where do you fall? I'm more positive. Um, I agree with the stuff about the kills. I, you know, with a name like the Tex Chainsaw Massacre, you'd think there'd be more chainsaw stuff in it. And even you see, I think maybe one chainsaw kill in the whole thing. And even then, you don't see any blood, anything you know, particularly violent. It's more just kind of the implied violence of it, which obviously is pretty gruesome, but you don't see it, which I was not surprised at, but I was disappointed at because, you know, in the 70s, 80s, you had a real boom of properly gruesome, you know, pre- you know, uh, what's it called, prosthetic, you know, real life, gory violence, you know, um, so that was not there to be um, seen. But I thought what it did, considering it was made in the 1970s, was very effective, and I do kind of appreciate its impact on the genre as a whole that it kind of like yeah we googled before the before this episode you know it wasn't you know the first ever slasher film but it is come to become you know the grandfather of the slasher genre i guess because it was one of the first ones um and i thought that the yeah sorry sorry, it kind of it establishes lots of the tropes that we've come to expect from a slasher film you've got like the final girl trope probably came from this um, you have a really iconic villain with a very particular look and his particular weapon that he uses, and I thought it, it set the scene quite well. I thought it kind of introduced the characters to each other. I never realized it was forty minutes of them screaming in a bus for for the first half of the film, but it did kind of introduce who was who quite effectively, um, and it did let you into their lives. And they were making the classic mistakes that you tell everyone not to make in the horror film, but we've come to expect that in a horror film now because of films like this that show you what not to do in a slash film. Um, so I thought on that level, it was very well done. Um, and there were some really good scenes in it. Like I found the 
dinner table scene towards the end particularly freaky not for any kind of jump scare reason it was just a very uncomfortable scene that it was just really well shot and it looked horrible and grim and nasty in there and yeah i thought it wasn't a particularly scary film i just thought it was for for the time it came out i can see how it had such a big impact on the genre as a whole yeah you both mentioned the lack of violence in there i was reading um i was reading today that um toby hooper actually went <clears throat> he actually made the film um sort of with the intention of going for a pg rating a classification what? for its release in the cinema uh and they obviously gave it an r rating eventually mm. but i think the lack of um the lack of violence in it is due down to uh the director Toby Hooper actually wanting to go for a PG cl- uh, classification so it would get a, a a lot more views in the in the cinema. That's that is mad. Yeah. <laughs> Which is crazy. I don't know how <laughs> something called the Texas Chainsaw Massacre was ever going to get a PG no, rating. No. But yeah. Um Tom, I'm with I'm on the same side of the fence as you. Um I would go as far as to say I actively disliked pretty much everything about this film. <laughs> And that's the end of Jumpcast, everybody. It's been nice. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. I found the whole thing just so annoying um, and so frustrating uh, and so tedious. And yeah, literally every, pretty much every single aspect of it, uh, I, I, I didn't like. I find it interesting you both said you thought it was boring or tedious just because it's oh, an 84 minute film like, yeah to me like, it went by quite quickly I didn't have an issue with the length at all I thought it was quite snappy and the scenes at the start were quite well done with that random not random but you know the weird guy the, the hitchhiker they pick up and I thought that was quite uncomfortable and quite well done so it did add a bit of pace proceeding one thing I noticed as I was watching it I was like that every single scene that they have goes on for about a minute longer than it needs to. <laughs> um, and, but that bus seat, that whole, uh, no, they're not in a bus, they're in like a camper van sequence yeah. at the beginning. That goes on for about 20 minutes longer than it needs to. But like, I can't think for the life of me of a specific example now, but there was seat like just stuff like when Sally and uh, Franklin, is she called Sally? She is. It. Yeah. Sally and Franklin, when they're like, when they were at the, uh, when they were at the camper van together and the two everybody else had gone missing by that point and they were just going back and forth and saying the same thing over and over again <laughs> and then like massive pauses like and it was just like this is why is this taking two minutes to do this scene when a i'm not sort of finding anything else new from it and mm. it could have been done in about 20 seconds and just instances like the one that really i was like for goodness sake was uh when uh pam i think she's called the other girl She's called Pam. Something I think she's called Pam. She is Pam, yeah. Yeah. Uh she when she goes into the house looking for the for the guy she's with, uh, and she stumbles across that room where all the bones are mm-hmm. and all the oh, chicken God, feathers yeah. and whatever. Oh else yeah, that did take a while actually. And it was like, oh, how many close-ups of bones <laughs> and a chicken in a cage and some feathers <laughs> on the floor do we need? This is going on forever. And like I know the purpose of it was probably to make you feel really uncomfortable, mm. but I was like it what it, it it didn't do that it just made me bloody annoyed <laughs> but there were so many instances of that when i was just like oh god get it over with um yeah 
I'd love to watch this video because I can oh. just imagine just seeing your annoyance. <laughs> that <laughs> scene, that's that scene where Pam stumbles across the stuff is the one that I, is the the most sort of is the biggest guilty party when I could think mm. of that. I was just like, oh my god, please get on with it. <laughs> um, I can see there are complaints with it in terms of getting on with it because I remember being quite annoyed at how slow Leatherface was at like chasing yeah. them. Like in the first. He has like two main chases. Oh, the the chase sequence as well. Good God, <laughs> <laughs> I forgot, I forgot, I forgot has, about that. He has two chase scenes. The first one was like through the dark in the forest. He was carrying a chainsaw. I'll you know I let him off. When Sally was also like that, she was in her fully fit form at that point. So I yeah. I expect she would be quite fast. In the second one, she has been beaten to shreds, and she's trying to escape the house. And even the other like the brother. He was nothing wrong with him. He couldn't catch her, and I was like, "No, and he was just like he was just like right dancing there. around." <laughs> yeah, I know. Uh, the, the the one in the dark, yeah, the one in the dark when he's got the chainsaw, um, mm. which I found out by the way again today that they were using an actual chainsaw in that scene because I when I was watching it, I was like, like when like is it just a sound effect or and it was mm. actually on and he dropped it when he mm. was, in one take when they were doing it and it like flew in the air and landed like he said. Uh, What's the guy Gunnar Hansen, the guy who plays Leatherface? Mm. He said it literally dropped into the sort of into the into the dirt about sort of like sort of three foot from his head whilst wow. they whilst they were recording it. Um, they did say I did read that they took out the uh, the teeth of the chainsaw when they were recording most of them, but I don't know if that yeah. was an instance when they did. But anyway, yeah, that chase sequence again, like it just went on forever. And he never even looked like ever getting close to her. Mm. And so I, I was never felt like, oh, this is scary because I feel like he's going to catch up with her. And um, how does uh, how does he catch up with her in the end? How does she end up? She runs to the house, doesn't she? She runs to the house oh, and then she yeah. falls out the window. <laughs> falls? Jumps out the window, whatever. <laughs> Fully jumps. Leaps out the window. <laughs> she leaps out about two, three windows, I think. Um, but yeah, and like, again, in that sequence, I was just getting annoyed because especially when she jumped out the window and then she started, she ran away again. She started screaming again. I was like, mm. if you just shut up and stay quiet and ran away, into, like, you'd have no idea where you were. I, I really, one of my things I, when I watch horror films, which I'm sure everybody does, is like uh, you said earlier, Reese, is when you're watching a thing, what are you doing? Why yeah. is that character doing that? <laughs> and there was enough instances in this, like, in this where I like started my eyes probably fell out my head because they were rolling so much. Um oh gosh. the, the, the I, beginning I, of that chase sequence though when he jumps out in front of the guy with the wheelchair, that did get a good jump out of me. I yeah I think that. I think good. that probably was the one instance where uh it probably did get a jump. I think the first time you see Leatherface when he comes out of his um when he comes out the door yeah yeah, and then slams the metallic like sliding door across i think that's probably quite an effective scene as well in terms of like a a jump scare um i don't think it's necessarily a film that's going for jump scares i think it's much more about atmosphere and um and sort of never-ending never-ending dread rather than jumps jump scares but um but yeah those two were quite effective um Another thing that really annoys me in horror films generally, and this again was a massive, um, massively guilty of, is creating characters that I care about. <laughs> um, there's, uh, I forget his name off the top of my head, but the guy who wrote Sinister. Um, Scott Derrickson. Scott, uh, no, he, was, he, he co-wrote it with uh, 
I can't remember what his name is, but he's very active on Twitter. Mm. Um, and he's always right doing a sort of uh, tips out for writers. Uh, I'm going to have to Google what his name oh, is. Oh, is it like Robert Cargill or something? Yeah, something like that. Yeah, yeah. He's very active on Twitter. Um, he's very worth good worth follow if you've got any interested in sort of film and sort of filmmaking or film writing or just film generally because he tweets out about films he's watched as well. But he was saying one of the most important things to do in a horror film <clears throat> is write characters that the audience will sort of like and feel attached to and yeah. care about <laughs> and want to survive even like every single time that leatherface caught one of these characters i was like just get it over and done with please <laughs> for the love of god because i can't put up with any more screaming i just can't do be doing with it um yeah i don't think there was a single character out of any of them that I had any redeeming features whatsoever. I don't know how strongly you two feel. I did find that. Franklin particularly annoying. Oh, I think he's supposed to be, but I think mm. they ham that up way too yeah. much. Way too much. Um, I read, as, I read as well an interview with the uh, the actor who plays Franklin, um, Paul Partain, uh, and he said it was very early on in his career when he was doing it, when he did this, uh, and he was sort of more theatre tr- theatre trained. Mm. Um, and, he was uh, acting for the back row in the... and if he, he he was or acting as Franklin in between shots and stuff as well oh. uh, and it and it got to the point where like none of the other cast members would talk to him <laughs> <laughs> uh but he is relentlessly i don't know and i and I, 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 I there's a whole another conversation that can be had about making the sort of disabled character the um the butt of all the sort of mm. the other characters uh scorn and the audience is scorned that's a whole other conversation but hit yeah franklin particularly is just relentlessly annoying um <laughs> also whilst we're talking about franklin why is the opening scene of the film after after the credits have all happened and stuff why is it him going for a wee in a can and then falling like getting blown down yeah. for, for no reason whatsoever like i was like what is this and why is this happening and why are we seeing this and the way it was edited as well when he fell out his wheelchair at the bottom of the thing it was cut like that scene from taken three when he's jumping too over the fence yeah, it yeah. was way too many cuts <laughs> i was like oh god this is good this is going to be a fun ride the next <laughs> 90 minutes uh yeah thomas you want to say anything about the characters did you find them all overtly irritating as well um yeah for the most part i think i think it was solid it was the only one that um that i could tolerate but the rest were the rest were pretty despite despite the fact that in for the last 12 minutes of the film all she does is scream scream (laughs) yeah so i i I re like i told you guys i rewatched this again about an hour before um we were recording this and I skipped that bit. I just couldn't. Be, I, could, I could not be doing with all that screaming at the end. I was. And I was. Howling. I was watch. I was watching it, and Beth was in. My girlfriend Beth was in the room. She wasn't really watching it. She was kind of sort of messing about on her phone and stuff, and just looking at the odd bit. And the, that sequence with the um, in the in the dining room sort of was playing out, and she was like, "For God's sake, somebody <laughs> put her out of her misery." <laughs> like, it was madness. Like we, was. I need to. We before we address the. The bizarre grandpa character. We'll oh, get to God. that in a second. Like that whole scene when he them trying to make the grandpa do the kill with a hammer. That was oh, infuriating. That I painful. It was meant to be. It was meant to be really frustrating. 
But it was just like, because she wouldn't stop screaming, it made it even worse. Do it. The guy can't pick up a pen, let alone a hammer. <laughs> just do it. And and yeah, a hammer with enough force to then like deliver a fatal blow to somebody. Like, <laughs> good God. Yeah, and I think um, Marilyn Burns, who plays Sally, deserves a lot of credit for that um, mm. sequence because I don't think it could have been difficult. Uh, diff- don't think it can't have been easy to film. No um because of the nature of of the scene um uh, and i'm uh, not being funny she must have been hoarse for weeks after recording <laughs> yeah. that sequence uh because i think i read again that they did it all they did that sequence all in one day in that scene i think it was probably so intense the film that they had to just kind of get it out of the way as fast as yeah they could. um yeah. so i think she deserves props for for some of the work she does in that scene but also similarly at the same time i don't know whether it was a mixing issue and whether sort of the because i watched it uh, a stream of it on amazon prime and i don't know whether that was different to sort of somebody who has like a i don't know like a 4k version of it one of those exists or but whatever but the mix of it of the screaming was just not Obnoxious. good. Obnoxious. Yeah. yeah. It was like, too loud. It was far yeah, too loud. It was. Um and again that might have been completely intentional to make you feel horrible and um and uh, un- unnerved and uneasy, but again it just sort of if that was the idea it took that and sort of stepped over the line again for me to take it into the like just frustrating territory. Yeah. Um What do you think about Leatherface as a villain? Because again, he's he's kind of like he has probably what in the whole film he probably has about what five minutes screen time probably something like that, mm. um maybe a little bit more. But how effective do you th- how effectively do you think he's used and uh, in this? I there were choices that were made with him that I thought were odd. Like there were points when he sounded like a whimpering dog when he mm. was like he's, na- he's not got he's not got any dialogue at all. No, he? he's just like he's obviously some mute you know, potentially challenged individual that his brother and dad just kind of dominate and just make him do what they say. And that was an odd decision. But I think it's not as iconic as, say, like Michael Myers or, you know, Scream is, for example. Um, Mm. But I can appreciate that he does does have a very, very distinct style. You know, that like the ill-fitting suit and the, the face mask of human skin. Yeah, the He's way that he moves is quite. Um, again, this is the only Texas Chainsaw Massacre film I've seen, mm-hmm. but I, I think the way that he moves is quite unique. Because mm-hmm. um, he's kind of he's kind of a big chap, really. Yeah. Uh, um, and he's not sort of the most sort of easy of movers. Because he's kind of sort of he always almost looks kind of like a bit sort of, well, I don't know, sort lumbering. Of, yeah. Mm-hmm. And he's just uh, yeah. So that's quite interesting that he did they did that and i think they've made gave him quite a few character quirks like you said uh his his uh lack of voice and he just mm. as sort of makes noise makes noises uh i don't know whether that deterred from his sort of like i don't know whether having him if he was able to speak normally whether that would have deterred or made him better i don't i don't actually know when i think about it i don't like if they'd have made him sinister enough mm to talk like if they made him talk that would make his actions more sinister because he'd look sort of more like sort of s- stable-minded and yeah. able-minded uh but the way that he is presented in this he's just seems a bit sort of like um 
yeah, sort of bit not really all there. And like yeah. you're saying, being dominated by his by his family, uh, particularly the guy at the gas station because mm. um, the um, the hitchhiker chap as well. He's he's not all there either. <laughs> I think uh, pretty, pretty yeah. Uh, I, again, going back to Toby Hooper, I did see uh, that he was adamant that he wanted to make Leatherface uh, feel like a a human. Mm. Um, antagonist or villain i definitely wanted to sort of veer away from sort of something more supernatural or, or monster like um which is interesting when we talk about what we've just said when we say like well if he was actually able to speak and seemed more sort of able-bodied and able-minded mm. that would have probably made him appear a bit more sort of normal and human to me but whereas mm. i think like the way it's the voice i think because the voice it was the pitch of it as well was it was really high it was really high pitched mm. i think the voice is the thing like you said the interesting decision they made mm. um there, there was that scene as well weren't there i think it's i think it's after like the fourth kill or something and it's him sat down and you get like a close-up of his face and he's, it looks like he's sort of like contemplating what he's done and things like that mm. Um, mm. and you yeah, yeah. sort of lingers on him and then I was kind of expecting some like something to happen there, but um, yeah, it just it just yeah. he he fulfills some sort of he seems like he fulfills some sort of interesting roles around the house as well. It's almost like he has sort of different character characters that he plays. Mm. Like there's definitely a sequence where he looks like he's dressed more effeminately. Uh, yeah, he, he had makeup and, at one point. Yeah, and he's kind of sort of in sort of like it's almost like he was fulfilling like the mother role in the household, mm. and he was like cooking and. Uh, well, Angie might have even been wearing a skirt or a dress as well uh, during that, or even like a flowery apron or something. He was definitely wearing something more effeminate, if I remember correctly. Um, so I wonder if he's got, again, somebody who's more of au fait with the with the franchise will know that if if he's got like a multiple personality disorder or something like that as well. Mm. Um, but um, yeah, he was he was he was interesting, but I think I can't remember which of you it, it said it, but I wouldn't put him in the sort of iconic sphere no. of of sort of slasher films along with like yeah, Michael Myers or uh, Freddy Krueger. At the same time I think if you, you can easily compare Leatherface with Michael Myers because they have a very similar visual style with the mask and the yeah. You know, and I think what Michael Myers and Halloween does better than this was creating this sense that Michael Myers is always following you, like he's never stopping, he's always on your trail at some point whereas Leatherface felt much more off the cuff and he wasn't sure what he was going to do whereas you just know that at any point Myers is around the corner you know, yeah, you know what I mean like you felt, it felt like you had it also felt like you had to sort of like um step foot onto onto Leatherface's yeah. territory from to do anything about it yes yeah um yeah you had to go into his world rather yeah. than him invading yours um yeah uh I think again it's bringing in a sort of another element of the film that I think was why the film was so successful upon release is it's portrayed as a true story, which it mm. is not. Uh, but I think it is heavily influenced by, I don't know if you two know the story of Ed Gein, who is a serial killer that the character was based on. Um, I'm not going to read out the list of things they the authorities found out in Ed Gein's um, house when they arrested him. Um, but if you want to do that, that is there on the internet. And um, yeah, let's say he wouldn't look out of place <laughs> in, <laughs> if he was sharing it, if he was house sharing with uh, with um, Leatherface. But um, yeah, and I, so I think that kind of went because I think Ed Gein was arrested in the 
uh, I think he was arrested in the 40s off the top of my head, I think, from where I went, maybe late 50s, 50s, something like that. Uh, there we go, 1957, he was arrested. Um, so that was kind of sort of, fre- I think that was kind of sort of freshly in the minds of um, the American audiences when this was probably released in 1974, which is mm-hmm. what, 15 years later? Um, and so I think probably why it was so successful at the time was the influence of Ed Gein and Toby Hooper said himself that it was in part uh, inspired by, by Gein. Right. Um, so yeah, I think, and the way that they portray it as a, they say it's a real story right at the beginning of the film. Mm. Um, I think that probably adds to this sort of, um, the tone of the film really. Cause I think one of the things it did, this is, uh, this is, I never thought I'd say, I think one of the things it did do well, um, I think was it actually felt like this could actually be happening. Mm. Yeah. It felt kind of real. And I think a lot of that I would put down to the way that the camera works in the film. I thought the camera was actually really effective. Yeah. It doesn't feel, it doesn't feel cinematic at all, which I think is completely to the film's benefit. Credit. Yeah. 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 So it feels like it's more sort of like a, it felt more sort of like handheld. Mm-hmm. Um and you were sort of there with it. I don't know what you two thought about that. I I I liked it. I thought they were there were definitely some shots that are more cinematic than others. Like the the probably the most famous shot of is you know her walking towards the house for the first time, mm-hmm. or the shot of her being dragged back into the house from um just like on the porch. Yeah. And I think it was it was very much a film that was just kind of showing you the images, not making them too flashy. Just like this is what's happening. However. There were I, there were some nice kind of swinging whip pan shots where I quite liked. There was one when they discovered that kind of um, kind of garage of cars that they just kind of gathered, which I assume are from previous victims, and they just kind of yeah, kept them locked so, away. Yeah. And I liked the way the camera panned to show you that oh, there's fifteen cars here, you know, not just one or two. Mm-hmm. Um, and there was a, a nice view in in the camper van they had themselves that the camera like in one shot swung from one person to the other, just to kind of show their conversation and their added added to this stress of being like this has got to happen now um so i thought yeah. yeah i thought the camera was really actually quite effective and it did its job really well i think in the camper van as well i think a lot of the shots were sh- uh were taken from sort of ground level so it's like you were sat amongst the group which yeah, i yeah. thought was probably yeah. really, um it was quite immersive in that respect tom what did you think yeah yeah i think i'm on the same level as you guys with this one the um it, it, it works and it, it works in the film's favor um but i do so my, i think my favorite shot of the film is at the end where he's you know he's swinging his chainsaw god knows why but he's swinging his chainsaw <laughs> and, and you can see the the sunrise sunset, or sunset. yeah yeah, yeah. Um, yeah it's, it's a very pretty shot i don't know about the is. sort of <laughs> sort of reason what does it mean it. yeah 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 but yeah that's yeah. probably it's probably the most iconic shot that one definitely mm. it's the one that you always see um post it along with the one i think you mentioned reese when pam's walking um towards the house and yeah uh, you got the like the like the sky is so blue mm-hmm. <laughs> in that scene and the sort of house is sort of creeping towards you and sort of imposing yeah. on you but the colors um, are really nice it was like you know the sky was really blue the house really white the grass really green her shorts mm-hmm. really red like it was mm-hmm. lots of nice contrasting colors that were all kind of stuck out yeah and i think other. it's probably and like a lot of the film is very grungy as well. So mm. like that scene, oh, that shot, sorry, really, really sticks out. Um, because yeah, the lot of the rest of it is like blues and 
dark blues and blacks and browns and greys yeah. and yeah. um and i think part of that is the reason why i don't think leatherface is sort of iconic as iconic as the other characters is because he's just he's very grungy <laughs> like he's not got like a but you know what i mean he's not like got like a like a recognizable sort of outfit or anything like yeah it's just a bit sort of grungy which is fine because i think that's the atmosphere they were going for and again like they wanted to make him seem sort of as normal and believable and human as possible Mm. um so that's absolutely fine and yeah living in the in the in in the middle of texas the middle of the nowhere in texas in the middle of the summer in 40 degrees heat (laughs) and stuff like it's all a bit sort of grungy and sweaty and that's fine Mm. um i can't remember off the top of my head but i I don't remember there being much of a score. No, I picked up on that as well. Mm, yeah. yeah, there wasn't um, much of one. And again, I think that adds to the realism yeah. of it all. Again, that it doesn't feel too sort of cinematic at all. It's just more like a... I, I, I don't want to say sort of more documentary-based, but I think that, that that's the kind of vibe that it got, that you were just sort of there and watching it rather than... Yeah, it's quite weird actually. I think the I think the technical side of the films, the, the film is uh, it's the stuff that I would sort of say is is definitely warranting sort of talking about like we have here. I I'd, yeah. I'd liked as well how um, the way they kind of set up the world of it without really drawing attention to it. So you mm. kind of, you assumed that the barbecue they ate was kind of human meat that they were kind of selling on and yeah. passing <laughs> on, which which I liked if they didn't address it. It was like implied but it was never actually fit specified you know and i thought you know like i said about the cars and stuff i just liked how this is clearly a family that have been wreaking havoc on the area for years um Mm. and we are just seeing one of the several events that have occurred over the time one glimpse of it yeah and again that was that was reinforced was by the relentless metaphor about the cow slaughterhouses um and sort of just the sheer number of sort of cattle that we had those couple of shots of the houses and then now cows that were there yeah yeah they pump that metaphor down your throat for a good 15 minutes whilst they're, <laughs> in, whilst they're in that camper van um i don't i don't is there anything else you want guys want to talk about because i don't again it's not a film that i, re- I really like so i feel like i haven't actually got that much to say about it um i would like to bring the grandpa up for a brief oh time. yes yeah because that, that i that was a surprise that he was alive. I assumed that they just kept the two gran- the grandpa and grandma dead. Yeah, it looked a bit. Yeah, when I first saw them in the attic, I was like, "Well, that's just like kind of like psycho vibes," and yeah. that's why Leatherface is fulfilling like the motherly duty in the house as well, yeah. like doing that role. But yeah, so the fact that they they he was actually alive was a bit of a weird shock. Um, <laughs> and the, the prosthetics sounds... looked bad. Yeah. I'll be honest. Yeah, yes, he did. did not look convincingly alive. Um, (laughs) but i kind of that did also then add to how weird this family is you know that they preserve him in formaldehyde or whatever you know to keep him alive for as long as they can and it was a bizarre moment to see him i still i still thought he was dead when they wheeled him out it wasn't until like he actually sucked on sally's finger that was was like as well apparently they actually in when the film they actually accidentally cut her hand as well so like that was completely legitimate (laughs) that's more horrifying um yeah no that was yeah i think the family dynamic we haven't really talked about uh, the hitchhiker or 
Um, I don't know if he's given a name, the guy in the garage. I think he's just called old... Uh, it's just listed as old man here on IMDb. Um, what did you think about that? Are they as, as annoying <laughs> as our protagonists? Or did you give them sort of more of a um, more of a free pass because they're supposed to be sort of like psychotic and deranged? No, I thought they were they were quite also effective. I thought the the dad, the old man, I guess the garage owner, but he the reveal that he was involved in it was. I, I saw it coming, yeah. but I realized, but it was kind of nicely done, and yeah. um, you know, him going to get the car. Like I realized, you know, when she gets into the garage, being like, "Oh, this guy's chasing me," I was like, "Why isn't Leatherface chasing us?" He was like two feet behind her two seconds ago, yeah. and then you realize, <laughs> oh, because he's it's involved it, yeah. as well. Like that's it yeah. was all the plan. So I thought that was really well done. So I think his character was quite evil, and he was obviously the meant to be the most evil character because he was the one who was orchestrating the whole thing yeah he yeah. was most of sane, most sane minded yeah yeah and again like you said that reveal there it wasn't like a huge gotcha moment at all no. it kind of it was kind of just like kind of really subtly handed mm. handled sorry um yeah and then when he appears and the and then obviously ties sally up and takes it back that was another thing that was another yeah that was another scene that went on for far too long when she was in the in the footwell of the car and he was banging her on the head with his broom and he kept on doing it for like two minutes and i was like why are we still here <laughs> like, um but yeah i think he played um jim sidow i hope I or Seedow, i hope i haven't butchered his name um I thought he was really effective. I think he did some really good sort of face acting, uh, particularly mm. in the sort of sequences where the twist that he was involved was revealed. And you could see his sort of demeanour change as sort of Sally mm. clocked on as well. Um, I think he was doing some really good work there. Um, the Hitchhiker, portrayed by Edwin Neal. Um, he was annoying. I thought he was irritating. He was annoying. And again, I think to the point, the same sort of thing with Franklin. Like, I don't... Ugh. I don't know about making the sort of the more sort of less able people, shall we say, and making them the sort of the butt of mm. of the joke and the butt of sort of the irk of ear of everyone. Like I don't know. It definitely it had the vibe that the the friendship group wasn't much of a friendship group. It was just they had Franklin along because he was her sister, you know. And yeah. it was like, oh, he knows where the house is. We've got to bring him along. Otherwise, we'll uh. We won't have anywhere to stay, what, you know. Why, by the way, were were they going to visit the grandfather's grave because it had been dug up, and they were going to see whether it had been dug up, or were they just going to visit the grave anyway? I yeah, I'll be honest here. Because why is he taking his? Why is he taking? Why is she taking her friends down to visit her grandfather's <laughs> yeah, right. grave? I'll, I'll be fully honest here. When you read the synopsis earlier, when they said they're going to visit the grave, I did not get that impression at all. I thought it was just a five friends on a summer vacation. Like I didn't understand. She does. The whole... She does say, "Where's my like? Where's my grandfather buried?" And that sort of le- leering right. sort of guy takes him over, and says, "Oh, follow me." And all the all the sort of drunk uh, sort of grave diggers are all around yeah. there, saying like, wee, 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 all that that sort of stuff. Um, so they definitely did reference that their Sally and uh, Franklin's okay. grandfather was buried, but equally like. Why are you taking your three friends there? Mm. Um, yeah, and I don't, I don't know. Um, I also didn't sort of really understand the thing about the house that they went to. That which was was that their old house? Yeah, I think that was the grandpa's old house that had been you know left abandoned. But the, were um, they expecting it to be? 
I don't know. Were they expecting it to be abandoned, or were they expecting it to be? Because they were like, "Oh, we can go and stay at my granddad's house," but then it was all like dilapidated and run down. Were they expecting it to be dilapidated and run down? Mm. What's uh, the What's the plan? <laughs> I I, I'll be honest. Yeah, I don't know. I thought it was a, it was a strange choice to obviously when it comes to any you know horror film with a slasher killer, you know the slasher is always goes into their house and their domain. Whereas mm. in this film, the house they go to is completely irrelevant because they all end up fucking hanging around at the um, Leatherface house. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, yeah, I mean, it's, it's... <laughs> what was the point of them going to this like, main house if Leatherface is not even going to be there at any point? Um, yeah. <laughs> it felt like they all got themselves killed because they were too curious. You know, rather yeah. than they just happened to be, oh shit, Leatherface is around, rather yeah. than Leatherface hunting them. Yeah. Yeah. That, yeah. Like I said, it was kind of like, yeah, they just took a wrong turn exactly there's a, yeah there's a there's another great horror franchise for you wrong turn if you've seen Ooh. any of them <laughs> i've seen like wrong turn three on i think that's it oh <laughs> did, it, did it inspire you to go and watch one and two absolutely not it was whichever <laughs> one whichever one is the one that is like um they're filming a reality tv show in the jungle i've seen that one i don't know this one i've seen one or two of them i don't know what number was it they are, two? Maybe two. but I'm not sure. that that's a mad horror franchise that is yeah um yeah it's kind of yeah like you said it's more like they invaded leatherface's territory rather than yeah. he was invading and if theirs. anything when teenagers are annoying sure defend yourself leatherface i'm fine with it <laughs> <laughs> I think I saw somebody say that, like in Texas, if somebody like steps onto your front lawn, you're allowed to like legally allowed to shoot them, or you or or you were at the time this was filmed, and everyone was just like, oh, it's just an extension of that. Like they yeah. came, they like, stepped on his hat. Like, they literally, they literally go into their, his home. They break and, in. Yeah. yeah, like what are they doing? Um, again, stupid horror characters doing stupid things and getting <laughs> getting what they deserve. Yeah. Um. Yeah, going back to the granddad's house, that was just another example of like the the Franklin stuff. There was just annoying, man. Yeah, it's and... like they're not surprised, are they? Like when they get there, even they're like, not surprised it's all run down and no, I know no, nothing there. They're just running around. I don't know what they're doing and laughing about. They're doing no, like laughing. they're laughing so much about like zebras on the wall. It's like, oh, that's funny. <laughs> And then Franklin was getting all in a sort of tiz about it downstairs. And then they started laughing at him. And then he started like spitting everywhere. The only thing I could think of when I was watching that scene, when he was doing his like blowing his raspberries, I was like, that poor cameraman. He must have got yeah. absolutely <laughs> drenched. Yeah, he's wearing an anorak for the whole thing. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I don't really, again, I just, I don't have that much to say about it because I don't want to be too horrible about it because, um, because I want people still to talk to me after this <laughs> <laughs> and not block me on Twitter. Um, but yeah, have you got anything else you want to say about Texas Chainsaw, either positively or negatively? I don't mind. I, you I two can throw yourself under the bus. Yeah, go on. I have a question. I don't know. You know, when they first pull up at the granddad's house and there's obviously the blood on the side of the car. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Is that a symbol? It like because Franklin tries to make out like he's recognised it as something, and I don't, I don't know if I'm missing something or or what. They were, well, it was it was from the hitchhiker from when he cut yeah. his hand. Yeah, but yeah. then, yeah, they were trying to make out that like oh, it's like a it's like the the dark mark like on the car, <laughs> so like they were yeah, going to be but... there. But then also like but yeah but then, Leatherface and company never come and find them. So it's no. not like, oh, it's those lot in the marked car. Yeah. Yeah. Like I don't I don't know. 
Yeah, I just, it, it looked like he was trying to, like it was a symbol of some sort, but I didn't mm. know whether it, it just something I wasn't recognizing or what, but it that that just kind of never went anywhere. I did yeah. I did assume that it was going to be like like you said Nick, you know, they that's their car, so we that's our next target, you know. Yeah, but, but it, yeah. that never materialized because I don't think Leatherface even saw their car. No, I don't think he ever did. No. No. He no, definitely not in fact because Pam and uh no, who went? It was Pam Sally and... and Franklin at the end of the last two alive. I'm trying to think who the order of which they went. So the I think Kirk was the first guy to go. He was when they got like grabbed, um, in the house, and then his girlfriend went to find him, and that's when you have the shot of her walking towards the house, and she gets put on the fish hook. Um, yeah, and then you have the other friend who did nothing. By the way, he was the most like non-event character. Was the other boy. <laughs> Jerry. Um, yeah. yeah, he didn't have anything, anything fun to do. I'm trying to think why he went to the house. Did he just go looking for them or what? I think he I went to remember. find them, yeah. And somehow stumbled into... I don't remember. I literally don't remember at all. Like, yeah. <laughs> that's really bad. I only watched it like two days ago. <laughs> um, Yeah, Tom, Reese, anything else you want to say about Texas Chainsmart? There's probably people listening to this like, what about this amazing bit that you I haven't feel talked like about? We probably... Yeah. Any Turned off by now. Yeah. <laughs> I, did, I did feel bad when I, I obviously I put my tweet up saying I didn't get on with it. And then I saw like Cameron, he was like, oh, the best horror, I'm watching the best horror film. And I was like, of all time. I, um, I, was like, I think it was um, Tessa as well. I saw Tessa tweeting about it and I was like, oh, people are going to hate us after this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, um, yeah, it could be the end of Jumpcast as we know it. I, <laughs> the, the three of us could be fired after this. Hey, um, I thought it was fine, actually, so oh, I'm, go on. I'm safe. <laughs> go on, then, Reese. Scores on the doors f- out of five stars for Texas Chainsaw Massacre. I gave it three and a half. Um, three and a half. I thought it was... I liked it more than I didn't. Um, it wasn't scary enough. However, I appreciate it for what it has done for the genre, and I can see its influence on everything else. Um, so I thought it was entertaining. And I thought it was nice and creepy in the house with the uh, dinner table and stuff. Um, but generally, it was not, you know, the be-all, end-all of horror that I thought it was going to be. Thomas? I have a feeling we're going in descending order here. <laughs> um, I'm going uh, two stars. Um, again, technically, I think it, it works better technically than it does, you know, actually plays out. Um, mm-hmm. I just... It couldn't keep my attention. Um, it didn't, you know. It, like you say, for the time, it probably was, you know, it was really scary and, and things mm. like that. But I think watching it now, it just, it just didn't have the same effect. Um, and yeah, not the, the characters just weren't likable. Um, you are correct. We are going in descending order. <laughs> it's a soft, last. It's a solid one star out of five for me. That's pretty tough. <laughs> I know. Hear the booing. <laughs> <laughs> if people would throw tomatoes at me right now, they would. Um, I thought I'd... we'd like change. Well, not we'd change your mind, but I thought you'd come around to it more with this episode. But clearly not. I just, I just don't. Apart from literally the camera work, mm. which I know is a big part of a film, and that's great. But like, I think horror films you watch to be sort of entertained, mm. and this was the least entertaining thing I've probably <laughs> ever seen. Like it was eighty four minutes long or eighty seven minutes long, however it is, and I couldn't wait for it to end. <laughs> um, I'd, 
every aspect of it the characters the writing the oh, yeah <laughs> I, I, I just i couldn't find anything that i was like oh yeah that's kind of uh, yeah nothing nothing one star <laughs> uh i like i like you reese i can appreciate like and it completely deserves its place in the sort of annals of film history because it was kind of like a game changer mm. which is great and really important and there's so many things like you said have come have been born out of texas chainsaw massacre um but like when you watch it now for the first time what 46 years since its release like mm-hmm. <sighs> it's aged it has aged. I think really? horror. I think horror as a genre age ages much more po- than... much more poorly than anything yeah, else. Yeah. Really, um, as I suppose we'll get onto. Um, like I watched The Exorcist. I said I've, for the first time this week. I know Reese, you watched Hellraiser for the first time. I did. Um, and The Exorcist. And The Exorcist. Yeah, and I think. Well, I think the I I think The Exorcist actually has aged reasonably well in comparison Uh, because i think a lot of the prosthetic work they do in the exorcist is really good um that they do with uh i forget what the daughter's called but yeah um reagan Reagan, yeah but i think i think this did age really badly i just think they had a again i had this discussion with fiona and jake on the um hitchcock episode that uh we recorded and we talked about how different acting styles of different eras and stuff um mm. and the sort of the acting style of this may have may have been or may people may think is very 70s and stuff and but yeah it just i just it just ages poorly now especially the mixing of the screaming like good god <laughs> thank god they sorted that out um we asked yeah. some people we asked twitter for some comments um we got uh, got a couple here of people that uh gave their thoughts on sexist change massacre to tell us how wrong me and tom are uh our very own jacob barnes said it's super weird and creepy still no desire no denying it's not really aged too well but it did have a lasting impact on him mm-hmm. felt very experimental and bold and he respects that. so that's kind of what reese was saying uh the texas uh this is a strawberry jam uh mad tweeter 2014 on twitter said the texas chainsaw massacre is not as bloody as its name implies and that's a good okay. thing however it will terrify you and leave you gasping for air by the time it's all said and done absolutely love this film incorrect okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and mary palmer miss mamie peas on twitter said i love this movie the dinner table scene and grandpa stick with me as utterly intense and threatening there's yeah. no safety not even in daylight and i feel you can smell the rotting meat throughout I can see. I can see that. I think it did the vibe really well, and yeah, you know, like the a, house felt disgusting. Yeah, it was all very grimy. Yeah, it was all very grimy. Yeah, one star is probably harsh, but I think I've just one and a half. Oh, go on then. Yeah, one and a half. Three out of ten. <laughs> let's live. Let's live. Da- let's live dangerously. Um, but yeah, it's mad to me that it's a it's a film franchise that's been as successful as it has. It's what I think they've had nine installments now, including like three D re releases and stuff. Um, and I think it was announced a couple of weeks ago that there's another like new film coming. Um, I'm sure it was Texas. It was definitely a horror it franchise. Was, was it Texas Chainsaw Massacre? Yeah, that's what that's what sparked my um my re- my watch of it because this, this, I saw the, the teaser poster saying it there's a new one next year. I was like, I've never seen the original. Mm. But we all make mistakes. <laughs> <laughs> Can well, we just briefly address? Sorry. Yeah. With horror films, 
why is it the horror films spawn 15 sequels? I have no idea. Like, Friday the 13th, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, Hellraiser, they've all got upwards of seven sequels. And we're like, yeah, can't like, think of anything more interesting. Nightmare on Elm Street's got loads as well. Yeah. Like, loads. Wrong Turn has got, like, 12. <laughs> Saw has got nine. 12 too many. Yeah. yeah. Like, it is crazy. I don't know. Yeah. And sometimes the sequels are really good. Like, if you look and think of Saw, I think Saw 2 is really great. I've Saw 2 is head. wicked. Yeah. Uh, Saw 1 is great as well. Saw mm. 2 is great. Uh, if I think of something more sort of recent, like the Conjuring universe, like the sequels mm. of those have been really... Well, some of them have been really good. Some of them have been absolutely terrible. Yeah. But um, Conjuring 2 I really liked. One of the Annabelle films is good. Um, the but is, isn't Annabelle, Annabelle is part of the Conjuring universe, isn't it? Yeah, like, yeah. but they start, still class it as like a... Yeah, yeah like a... It's, its own thing. Its own thing, yeah. But it's, mm. yeah, like I said, it's like a sequel, really, to the Conjuring. Mm. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I guess it's just because it's kind of like when you've got a character like Leatherface or like... Um, jigsaw oh, i suppose or anything yeah. like that like it's sort of infinite in what you can do with it like you can do an origin story once you've done something or you can cut to five years later and you're still you operating do, like you can do literally... the beginning the final chapter the final final draft version too. Just, <laughs> just money makers aren't they yeah, yeah they are. um but yeah so there is another texas chance mask film coming i probably will watch that i might in fact, I might even sort of delve into the franchise and look at some of the other ones. I don't know. I don't think any of them are supposed to be any good. Mm. Um, but wasn't there like a leather a Leatherface origin one? Was it? Well, I don't know, but I know Matthew McConaughey is in one of them, so I might find that one and watch that one. <laughs> Reese uh, Alexandra Daddario is in one of them, so you can watch that. I've one. seen. I need to watch that one. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Jessica Biel, I think, is in one or two of them. I think. Mm. Um, so there's some decent acting talent there involved in some of them. So some of them might be watching, worth watching, and I might educate myself in um, advance of the new release of the new one. But um, me and Tom have been sort of very, very knocking on uh, Texas Ch- Chainsaw Massacre. So it's time to talk about some horror films that we love, <laughs> um, as it's Halloween and this is a Halloween special. Uh, Tom, you said you were more sort of a new wave horror. That's a terrible phrase that I've just used. Um, <laughs> a, a more a more hod- uh, modern horror fan, um, sort of the last decade or so. What have been the sort of films of the last decade that you've you've enjoyed? Um, right off the bat, I would say The Witch is yeah. probably my favourite. Um, Your favourite? Is that because really? An- An- Anya Taylor-Joy's in it? <laughs> It's a strong reason, but the, the, <laughs> film, the film as a whole, it was just, I remember I remember going to the cinema to watch it, and I literally went in blind and absolutely knew nothing about it, um, and I, yeah, just absolutely loved it, the whole, the whole vibe of it, the, the way it plays out, it was just, I couldn't wait to watch it again, I think I went to watch it the week after at the cinema again. It's a very beautiful film, The Witch. It's really well mm. that all the shots mm. in The Witch, which are really well constructed, and I the really way they like... use like sorry the way they use natural light only in that film is really yeah. effective. I think yeah, yeah, it is. Um, and I really like, as a general rule, I like horror films that are set in another time from our own sort of more mm. historical horror films like The Witch. If you think of something, um, Robert Eggers' little film like The Lighthouse, I love that mm. as well. Um, yeah, I like stuff that's sort of set. Uh, sort of back in back in history and they're good um anything else tom we can go go in fact we'll go around in the circle and we'll go around again so reese yeah what, um, what well you... I, before i say mine i wasn't as sold on the witch as many people are 
I don't I, think it was scary enough for me. Like I, it has yeah. some good bits in it. Like I think, for, as far as an iconic moment goes, the peekaboo moment is sensational. Mm. Like that as an idea is unbelievably scary. But I think the rest of it doesn't quite get to really kind of earth-shatteringly scary levels. Um, mm. I, I think, think it's... even though the ending's quite good, I wasn't a big fan of it. I think it's another one that maybe is going for tone rather than yeah. sort of all-out scares. Um, I think it is a kind of sort of suffocate again with the sort of old, ye olde English um, mm. sort of dialogue that they have in there and the sort of, um, how should we say it, commanding and sort of commandeering sort of opinions of the dad. Um, it's just all sort of kind of very sort of claustrophobic and suffocating and... Um. Yeah, and yeah, I liked the. I I I didn't love the witch. Like I liked it, and I I've got it downstairs on my DVD shelf. So I liked it enough to buy it again, and I have watched mm. it since. Um. But yeah, it's yeah yeah like it's a solid seven out of ten for me, the witch. Right. Yeah, and well, Black Phillip's gonna come and get you, Bruce. <laughs> right, yeah. Um. <laughs> for as far as horror films are like, so. It- I've got a few that I could mention, but I'll go for one that's very much in the conversation at the minute because um, it just had a 4K re-release. Is Dog yes. Soldiers? Yes, yeah. I've, I've never seen. I've never seen. Dog oh Soldiers. my god! Oh, it's really hard to find a copy of. Like, yeah, it is. Uh, on like when I go on like um, Amazon or something on there, like, it's always like it, like more expensive and like not like it'll be delivered in 20 days or something. I'm like, well, I kind of mm. want to watch it like this week. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think with with Dr. Rogers, it, it's it has a really interesting. <gasps> it's on kind of, Prime uh, Video. I've just looked now. They put it's it on, on Prime now. Oh, mate. Yeah. Well, to rent. Um, yeah, oh, but fine. I will, I'm I will, I'll go and rent that. Yeah. Um. So because that that had a weird kind of upbringing with me because the first time I watched it, it was on a plane going to America, um, and I think <laughs> I was about maybe twelve at the time, so I was far too young to watch it. And I think at that point, my parents were asleep, and I was like this is my chance to watch a scary film. And it really scared the shit out of me because it was it's, it's so violent and it's it's so dark and creepy and the wolves themselves look absolutely terrifying because they're so tall and strong. And But it's also like funny and there's kind of really effective kills in it. And they it's kind of one of those films where they use anything they can to kill them. So you've got like axes, you've got swords, you've got machine guns, you've got frying pans. They use a, fucking kitchen hob at one point like it's just it's so good and i've read there's a really good article actually that came out this week on den of geek that is an interview with um neil marshall and sean pertwee about dog soldiers and they just talk about the experience making the film and there's a point in one of them i think sean pertwee himself he's because he's in pain i think he's had his guts like kind of torn open (laughs) he is kind of on um morphine and alcohol just kind of numb the pain and they they actually filmed it drunk, where he got <laughs> drunk himself and made so he was as natural as he could. And it's just like the whole vibe of it and the idea of just soldiers on a training mission suddenly get attacked by werewolves. It's just it's so basic, but it's so good. And it's just oh, I love it. If you've not seen Dog Soldiers, find it. It's currently at the cinema. I'm gonna go see it on Sunday because it's on at like seven o'clock on Sunday night. I'm gonna go watch it in 4K because I need to see it on the big it's screen. I love amazing. it. Amazing. I, I bought I, I bought the re-release and I watched it the other night and it's it's just oh, as good as I remember. It's amazing. I'm oh, gonna I'm definitely gonna watch it this weekend. It's I say it's <clears throat> it's I've been looking for it for because like I've just looked here and like the next they could actually get like a DVD of it delivered would be 
November the 13th and like that's <laughs> like two weeks away and that's why I've never watched it because I've been like mm. well I just want to like I want to but it is literally it's the first time I've seen it. it's on Prime now to rent for £3.49 so I am going well, to I'm going to do that this weekend I'm going to do that this weekend phenomenal um oh it's circles come to me isn't it yeah. um I think Hereditary is close to a perfect film I love Hereditary mm. um and it's been one of those films that when I watched it in the cinema, I was like, that was really good. And I really enjoyed that. But like every time, and I've rewatched it probably five or six times since. Um, and every time I watch it, I appreciate it a little bit more. And I've now got to the point where I'm like, this is, this is a fucking masterpiece. I've only watched it once and that was at the cinema. And I just can't bring myself. I, lo- I loved it, but I can't <laughs> bring myself to watch it again. It's just, again, it's not something I find overtly scary. And again, I don't think it's supposed to be like it's not or it's not about the jump scares and about the it's just about that. Not that dread, like dread, like yeah. deep rooted, visceral dread that the whole way through. And I think the whole uh, exploration of grief uh, in it uh, with Annie uh, and the loss of her mum and then of a spoiler alert of her daughter. Um, oh, I th- and it's little things that I've picked up as every time I've watched it as well, it just seems every time I watched it, it's more sort of more intricately woven than I sort of ever thought possible the first time I watched it. And then, yeah, just little things that I've noticed, like uh, the whole, th- the thing they do at the a school, they do with the teacher at the school when he talks about the inevitability of something happening to some somebody, whether that's more tragic or, or not, if because mm. they've sort of removed, got choice removed from them. And that's obviously um, Peter's storyline. Um, but there's evidence of that happening in the film that I didn't pick up first time round. Like um, one of the many times when uh, you're looking at the house from sort of the outside and it cuts to day or cuts to night and cuts to day. Like each time it does that, there's sort of all the cultists around the mm. house at night time, yeah. which I'd never picked up on first time. And then there's a scene where you see uh, Peter smoking his bong out the window. And in the foreground, there's it's kind of like obscured, but you just think it's like trees or something. It's actually a person. You can see their breath, their breath their, yeah. against the cold air and stuff like that. Just tiny, tiny little things that I never picked up on first time round. And I think it's the kind of film that I could watch again and again and uh, pick up something else from it. And I think visually as well, I think it's a beautiful film. It is. Um, the way that the sh- the uh the whole um sort of uh replica uh, what's the word like uh model replica thing is implemented in the film and and how that all works is so good and the house is often portrayed as looking and feeling like a dollhouse and um oh i i, I love hereditary i think i say it's it's one of it's one of the, my favorite films i've seen over the last when did it come out 2016 17 16 18 was it cool yeah. yeah and i've watched it well yeah it came out less than probably yeah just about two years ago and i've watched it what seven or eight times now like mm. and it's not an easy watch don't get me wrong like <laughs> it's tough um but i think it's i think it's incredible um i think it I'm, did a really good job of kind of mis-selling you what it's going to be about oh absolutely at the the yeah the the uh the campaign promotion campaign was amazing yeah. the trailers for it you know it made it seem like i forget her name i know what the actress name is charlie yeah. charlie thank you yeah charlie she was front and center of all the you know the promotion material mm-hmm. and the way they pull that rug from underneath you not even half half an hour into it is just incredible and you just think from that point you're like 
I don't know where this story is going to take yeah. me now. Yeah, you know, all because... of your preconceptions are out the window Long. it was it was sold it was sold <laughs> it was sold to us as a classic sort of tormented uh haunted yeah. child story um and yeah again spoiler alert within a half an hour of the film that happens mm-hmm. <laughs> um i don't i think there were two that is one of the two instances in the film where i think it was my favorite one of my favorite cinematic experiences in terms of watching it with other people at the cinema. Uh, when that happened, it like everybody's like, everybody's head fell off when that, (laughs) when that happened. Um, and the other thing, the other time it happened was obviously when, um, uh, Annie Tony is in the corner, but it was so effective because I don't still, I don't think everybody saw it that I was Mm. in. And I saw it early on, I think, because I think I'd, I'd heard about it. Yeah. That, and you could hear different people at different times in the cinema, <laughs> like spotting her. And like yeah. there was a couple next to me and Beth who went to see her, and they were like the 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 man of the couple was like she's right there, she's right. and she was like, "What? I can't see anything." <laughs> like, <laughs> and it was that kind of thing, like over the entire cinema. And um, yeah, that was such a surreal experience to sort of experience and feel other people seeing it at different times along mm. the, the that thirty seconds that that shot yeah. and it's also yeah. one of those things where like you the that was so well executed because that shot of him in bed is used four or five times in the film yes it is and yeah. you're just you're trained to see oh that's a shot he's in bed you just know that's what that scene is yeah and then for the last time it's something you, different yeah. yeah it's just amazing <laughs> uh yeah i think uh Ariesta deserves all the praise in the world for that because i think as i said i think it's a really really intricately woven story and i've read the screenplay for it as well and that's really actually worth watching uh, worth reading if it's mm. it's very accessible online if you want to do that um and his, yeah his direction that he portrays in that as well is mesmerizing though like as um, like as that as your debut feature film like the man's yeah. got talent <laughs> but yeah i think i think hereditary is close pretty much close to a perfect film Tom, we'll circle back round to you. Um, one that I watched last month, I think it was, or the other week. They're all this year is just blow at the minute. Um, but it follows. It follows oh, yeah. is amazing. Um, I love it. Follows. I I'd heard nothing but praise for the film, but I had no, no idea what it was about. Like literally, I had no spoilers, no nothing. I didn't know anything about it. Um, and yeah, I I absolutely loved that absolutely loved it um the, the concept i thought was quite was quite um interesting and then just the way it all it all plays out and oh, yeah it was it was really good i really enjoyed that that's got another like you know you said about hereditary with the cultists outside mm. that has lots of moments where if you kind of look in the background you can see people watching yeah um yeah. the main character I forget her name um but you can just kind of there's i remember there's one when she's in sat in the car I think she's going about to go into the school and through through the windshield, she's blurred, but you can see this woman just kind of standing there watching the car. You're yeah. thinking that is, and it follows, that is, <laughs> you know, that's the demon. It's just so well done. But you spend, you spend like the entire film looking in the yeah, background. You really do. Like you're watching everyone. Um, yeah. And that, and the, um, the scene in the house with the tall, with the really tall man. Oh, that, 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 was that is such a good jump. Scary. Yeah, <laughs> that really is. Good. That is really, 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 really good. That bit. That's that scene was, I think, one of the ones where everybody was just like, "Oh my god!" I'm like, "Yeah, it was." 
Again, that's not a thing that's relying on too many jump scares. I think when uh, Jay, I think the girl's called, when she goes um, downstairs in the kitchen and there's that, the old woman in the kitchen. Is it an old woman in the kitchen? Yeah, and it's all, that's yeah. that's, that's grim. Um, <laughs> yeah, it, again, it's just that sort of, it just creates that un, unnerving um, sense in you the entire way through. So you're like, yeah, watching it, the, the frame in all corners of the frame at all times because you're like oh my god what's coming next uh it's a similar concept to a graphic novel that i um that i read at university that i can't remember the life of me what that was called now um but it was about uh the sort of uh social uh opinions on sort of sexually transmitted diseases and stuff like that and in in that graphic novel somebody might know who's listening to this they um they pass on it's kind of like they get like a black spot that appears on their neck so you know who's sort of like teenagers mm-hmm. are se- which teenagers are sexually active and stuff and i think i read that um it takes some elements from there and it's in, in that regard it works really well as like a coming of age story as well because it's yeah, all about yeah. um which is a subgenre i love in itself so combine that with horror like i'm i'm all i'm down for that um yeah it's just so effective um and it's got a really sort of nice uh aesthetic and sort of uh it's kind of timeless but at the same time it kind of very much times itself as in like sort of 70s 80s in terms of the score um and what everybody's using but then at the same time like the technology is kind of modern day but then also because i think they use sort of mobile phones and stuff in it as well so it's kind of got this weird sort of uh, sort of time juxtaposition mm-hmm. position within itself but it's i love it for those it's really good um yeah david robert mitchell the director he said that was a nightmare that he had recurring like again and again that he was being followed by something so he was like i'm just gonna write a film about it <laughs> and cool. and that one and they turned out to be very good but yeah it follows is another one that if you haven't seen it go and check it out it's really good reese um my second choice um this i i've regularly called this i think it's my favorite horror of all time um i wrote about it for jump scare cut a couple of years ago um jump and scare it's, cut yeah that's a throwback <laughs> um but it's it's 30 days of night um and that Ooh, film I is don't think it's, very, it's actually very similar to dog soldiers in that it's kind of these people stuck in a really horrible situation against you know supernatural creatures um but again, similar to Dark Soldiers, I've, it has, you know, an important formative experience for me because it was the first ever 15 I saw legally in the cinema. Um, oh, so it holds that. Yeah, yeah, it holds that kind of... And for, for a horror film, I am to this day convinced it was underrated. Like, it should have been an 18 because to, I've, I don't think I've seen a more violent horror film than that one. Like, you know, people get their heads axed off in visceral... You know, not just in one swipe. It's like four or five proper hammer axes to the throat to get <laughs> it off. God. And it, honestly, it's so gruesome. But it's um, directed by uh, David Slade, who's done... Um, his first one was Hard Candy, which is also quite fucked up. Um, and he also did Twilight Eclipse, which is the best Twilight film, by the way. <laughs> um, but he, and he also did as well. He did the lots of Hannibal, the TV series. He directed lots of that as well. So he's got a really cool visual style. And there's... Yeah. It's got, he's got a very iconic moment in it that is just, you know, the vampires are finally let loose because the whole premise of it is that this town in Alaska 
it has a month of pure darkness where the sun just doesn't rise and doesn't hit mm. that area. Um, and that's actually a true scientific thing. Yeah, I found yeah. out. Um, and then so the vampires realize that this area is just a buffet. When, <laughs> you know, when people leave for Christmas, there's only about 50 or so left and the vampires go nuts. It's absolutely free for all. Yeah. And there's this absolutely incredible shot. It's like a drone shot over the town through the high street. And you just see on every side of the road, on the roof, there's just vampires ripping people to shreds. And you're just like, this is fucking carnage. And it's it's amazing. And the way that, you know, it paces out. So, you know, it jumps from certain days when they've got to do things. So they run out of food. You've got to go into the local shop and you meet like this horrible little girl vampire. And it's, ah, oh, it's, I could wax lyrical about Suitism like for so long. It's one of my favorite horror films. And I, I've watched it several times since over the years, and it's still amazing. And it's still no film I think has had that much of an impact horror-wise on me as Fade of Night did. So that is probably my favourite of all time. Uh, Dave Slade also directed an episode of Breaking Bad. Did just, he? Just looking at his filmography now, yeah. Okay. Um, 30 Days of Night is also available for free on Amazon Prime in the UK. So. Oh. I've added that to my watch list. No, no <laughs> it's, it's, it's incredible. I might even watch that tonight. Um, I I really really like horror films. Um, mm. so it's really hard for me to sort of pin down another one that I really like. Um, so... controversially, I think The Conjuring Two is better than The Conjuring. Ooh. Is which is oh i'll bring that to the table as, as another horror film that i really like the conjuring 2 um i just love it i think it's really <laughs> i think it's really entertaining i think it's really i think it's really effective as a horror film but i think it's also really entertaining as just like it's kind of like an, a sort of thriller adventure mm. story as well um i know it's controversial to think the second one is better than the first because uh everybody that i spoke to i know Jay- i love the first one yeah i i, I love I, I really like the first one don't get me wrong but um mm. and i know jake for um for the jump cut charity initiative did his uh month of horror and he watched the first one i loved it and watched the second one i thought it was terrible um <laughs> but i think it was yeah i just loved it and i think um both uh patrick wilson and uh Vera Famiga are both on top form in that as well. Um, the Nun introduction, the Nun sequel is absolutely garbage. By the way, like yeah. I can't, I can't believe they <laughs> they did that. Um, but her introduction into film, I think, is really good. Um, and the nightmare sequence where, uh, oh, I don't know what uh, Famiga's um, character is called off the top of my head. They're what they're, they're the. Uh, they're the, the, the Warrens, Warren. aren't they? Liz Warren, isn't it? Liz Warren? It begins with no. Lorraine, Lorraine, Lorraine. Lorraine Warren. Warren. Yes, Liz Lorraine. is not. Liz is the <laughs> former presidential candidate. Ignore that. <laughs> Close. Uh, yeah, Lorraine, uh, her nightmare when we first see the nun in, uh, or Valak, as the demon's called, in her nightmare sequence was just <clears> one of the <throat> most scared I've been in a cinema watching a horror film. Um, that that was... An, um... That was part of additional photography. It was. I I did see this week, is it this week or last week, that James Wan released some uh, sort of like uh, concept drawings that they did of what the the, uh, malevolent entity was going to be in The Conjuring 2. And it was kind of like a sort of horned sort of devil creature with red eyes, Mm. sort of red mouth 
kind of looks a bit like a uh, Kate Blanchett in <laughs> in um, Thor. It looked like Stephanie. <laughs> yeah, um, kind of a cross between the two. Yeah, and that was really cool. And I think that was all done, um, supposed to be done. Uh, I think it was like a full working animatronic type thing or prosthetic or people in a mask and a costume and stuff. Um, if you want to find that, I will plug that on Twitter. Um, it's uh, DR Movie News 1 tweeted that out on October the 22nd. Do go and find that because the pictures there look really cool. And I do hope that's something that they bring back uh, into the Conjuring universe somehow because there's another Conjuring film coming next year, I think. There is. Allegedly, if COVID allows it. Um, <laughs> so, and that, yeah, and that's re- that's a really, really cool looking sort of devil entity that is. But I think the nun inclusion is was really good and really effective. And it clearly was because they made a sequel out of it, which <laughs> we will not talk about because, good God, Mike. <laughs> yeah, that was... Because I found the nun so effective in Conjuring 2, I don't know how they took something that was sort of so effective in there and made it just so terrible like i don't i don't know um so yeah conjuring 2 would probably be it's like it's not my favorite horror film but it's just something i thought i'd bring to the table because it's kind of a controversial opinion that i like it more than the first one i think i'm in agreement with you that it's better than the first one i think do you agree Mm. the the first conjuring is the family in the house with the sort of clapping isn't it i always get i always get it freaks me out i always get I always get Conjuring and Insidious mixed up in my head because Patrick Wilson's in both of them. <laughs> so I always, I always forget what is what belongs to to which franchise. Yeah, yeah. hide and clap. Yeah, oh. I do like the first one. Don't get me wrong, but I just think the second one's the second one's good, apart from some of the British accents. <laughs> um, yeah, right. We'll do one more circle round, and then we'll we'll end we'll end it there. Uh, Tom, one last horror film that you love. Um, I'm gonna have to go with Scream. Oh um, yes. And if I'm sure people that are listening probably know, probably do follow me. I watched that for the first time a couple of weeks ago, and again, it was just one that slipped under the radar. Never wasn't any intention of not watching it. Um, and obviously, growing up, the scary movies were my favorite films <laughs> because they were just fucking ridiculous. Um, and I don't know, I guess kind of in the back of my mind, I knew that that was based on like the ghost face was the first one was based on screen. Um, so I think in the back of my mind, I was kind of like, can I watch screen and take it seriously? Will it, will it have the same effect? Um, and that was still niggling to me when I, when I, um, rented it the other, the other week to watch it, but I'm so glad I gave it a shot. I absolutely Mm. loved every second of it. Um, the whole the whole meta approach to it is just super so good, isn't it? Um, and again, I I'd not seen any actual sp- like obviously scary movie. You know, it um it basically goes through the plot of the film, and <laughs> does kind of do um the same plot points, but I, so I kind of I kind of did know where it was going towards the end, but it was still it was still a brilliant reveal. Um. With Matthew Lillian, um, yeah. I can't remember the other guy's name off the top of my head. Um, I can't remember it. I saw it a while ago. Um, but yeah, just the the whole film is just it's just a perfect film, I think. Um, and I'm so annoyed that I didn't watch it sooner. It's one of those films that's like, God damn. <laughs> yeah, I've only seen the first one, 
um again because i found without paying for an entire box set i found the sequels a bit sort of tricky to to find um I don't know if they've been on sort of streaming sites. I haven't. They're definitely not on at the minute because I've been. Oh, I want to watch them for Halloween. Um, but yeah, I've re- I've certainly seen the first one, but I did love the first one. But I, I fully intend to catch up on on all of them once I've sourced them. I might have to ask them for Christmas or something. <laughs> <laughs> they are they are worth it. So I I watch them all in one weekend, mm. um, and generally with you know sort of horrors they do deteriorate and and get worse but the, the screams are really strong scream 4 um, is has no right being as good as it is scream i was so surprised i was i genuinely was gonna go in i was going in hate like i was thinking it's just not gonna be it's, it's a modern movie <laughs> not, it's not gonna be any good yeah um is there what yeah, is there a what's what's why didn't scream for i know nothing about scream 4 why what did it not have deserved to be as good as it was no, it, I think it was just a gap. Was it? Mm. Um, was it kind of like a soft, was... soft reboot type job? Was it? Not really. Not really. No. Um, so Scream Three came out in two thousand, and Scream Four came out in twenty eleven. Like yeah, a gap, it's a like fair old gap, years. isn't it? Yeah. Um, but it still had like the same cast. It still had um, Neve Campbell and um, Courtney Cox and David Arquette. Um, but it added new young people, had, didn't it? Yeah. Yeah. So it it was it wasn't focused on, it wasn't focused yet generally on them. Um But yeah, so I did I thought, you know, they're going for a modern remake, it's gonna be you know, it's not gonna hit the same thing, but it, it was, it was really good. I think I think my ranking, I think my end ranking was something like one, two, four, three, I think I went for. Mm-hmm. I think I think but I think a lot of people quite highly rate for. I remember the conversations. Is there is four the most recent? Or has there only been four? Yeah, five's out yeah. next year. Yeah, and they had the the TV show came out, but apparently it was not very good. Yeah, I yeah, did I see did. that on Netflix. <laughs> it was on Netflix, wasn't it? Mm. Yeah, no, I didn't watch it, but yeah, but no, uh, yeah, um, Scream is one of those franchises I fully intend to delve into and tick off my list because I loved the first one. It was really good. Reese, what is your final yeah. offering? That's what I'm looking at my letterbox. See if I can think of one. <laughs> I want to. I want to throw out the thing because the thing is amazing. The and thing the is really thing good. There's lo- still love. never seen it. It's, it's. I watched it recent. I watched it last year, I think, for the first time, and that's mm. it's good. Yeah, it's, it's good. one of those films that like it was made in '84 or whatever, but it still looks incredible today. Yeah, you know, the the horror effects of it and the the creatures just look so good. Um, but as as far as one maybe that not as many might have seen. I'm gonna, and I think it is a nice trilogy with the other two I've mentioned. Um, I'm gonna mention The Mist, which mm, is that's Stephen been on King. my list for a while. The Mist has, and I think it's one of those things that it's not like as highly rated as uh, his other, you know, films. Like it's not as good as It or whatever. However, I think as as a concept, it's really good and it's really well shot. You know, the he was directed by Frank Darabont, who went on to do you know The Walking Dead and stuff. So mm. he's you know pretty knows what his stuff. And The Mist has such a cool idea. But again, as all Stephen King stuff does, it focuses more on the people stuck in the situation than the creatures outside. Yeah. Um, and it does have, you know, the creatures themselves, the CGI is a little bit wonky, um, but they are still creepy enough that they do cause a threat. And I think there's lots of really good acting in it. Um, like there's one character, I forget her name right now, but she's played by a very famous actress and she, you will hate her within minutes. She <laughs> plays that evil character really, really well. Um, and as you've not seen it, I won't spoil it, but it has probably the most 
harrowing, brutal endings of any film I've ever seen. Really? Honestly, it is... Uh, there's, there's a whole rumour around the ending that apparently Stephen King says he wished he thought of it when he wrote the book. Oh, really? It's different, different than the, the book, book, is it? Yeah. But I think that's like that's kind of fabricated from the truth. But even still, the ending is still... It's different, and it is just such a shocking ending that you just... Oh, it's... It's so it's so worth watching, and I watched it with my dad. You know, I got the DVD for Christmas, and I just absolutely loved it. And it's oh yeah, I recommend the Missy. If you've not seen it, get it on this weekend because it's a very good Halloween shocker. It's been on my list for ages. Again, it's just one of those ones that I've not got round to ordering a DVD of or seeing it pop up online somewhere, Netflix or Amazon. Um, but yeah, it's been on my list for a while. Um, to close us out, what is another film that I lo- there's so many that I can think of that like I love the fly. Uh, oh, the fly is really good. Uh, the the gold bloom version. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, it comes at night was good. I like that. Train to Busan's very good. I'm just yeah. looking down a list here. Um. I what controversially, this isn't my pick, but I watched both uh, of the new It films uh, recently, mm-hmm. and they're not as good as I remember them being. <laughs> I think It one still is still good. It's still good. Oh, yeah. It's still good, but not as good as I remember it being at all. Mm. Chapter uh, two just again, chapter just two was boring, bad. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Rosemary's Baby's really good. Does Pan's Labyrinth cast as a horror film? That's really good. Yeah, I'd say so. Mm. What am I going to go for? Psycho is very good. Uh, if it's not go- I've, okay, I've come, I've picked my film. It's not what I'm <laughs> the one I'm going to mention quickly. Previously is Hush, uh, which is a Mike Flanagan film, um, starring Kate Siegel. Oh, I think they're married in real life. I believe him and Kate. Mm. Um, and yeah, she plays a a deaf and mute uh, character um, when she's home alone in the middle of the woods, um, and there's a man trying to break in and um and killer and it's just it's like a classic home invasion type thing but with a twist that uh that kate siegel's character maddie is um is deaf so she she's got she's got to, that to deal with as well um but yeah that's a really good film and i think that's on like i guess i guess still on netflix i think it's been on there for ages so if you haven't watched hush go and watch that it's only like a minute an hour and 20 minutes long um, that one's on my list. Yeah, uh, it's really good. Hush is really good. Uh, but the film I'm going to go for, um, and it's very, it's very popular. I think probably a lot of people have seen it. <sighs> it's Cabin in the Woods. Oh yes, Cabin in the Woods is so good. It's so much fun. Like it takes, like we mentioned, all the tropes of a horror film, and makes them entertaining instead of annoying. Mm-hmm. Take note, Toby Hooper. Uh, <laughs> take wow. yeah, take notes from take notes from Drew Goddard. That's what I say. Uh, um, yeah, it's just it's just so fun, um, and it is scary as well. Um, but when I watched it for the first time, I had no idea about the twist. Um, you can kind of sort of vaguely sort of pick up on it as uh, sort of um, sort of piece things together. It's going on because you have the whole uh, Richard Jenkins and. Uh, Bradley 
Whitford, Whitford. Uh, yeah, Whitford's yeah. Uh, st- side story going on at the same time. So you can kind of pick up what's going on. But when they drop down into the sort of the where whatever it is, the warehouse building where yeah. all these things are being stored, and that scene when the elevator doors open, it's just absolute carnage. Like it's mm. so that film is so much fun. Like it's it's funny in points it's genuinely scary in points like it also plays as just like a action thriller film uh chris hemsworth's doing chris hemsworth hemsworth things um oh, richard jenkins is amazing in it as well and bradley whitford the both of them they're both yeah. really good in that it's just there's so much to love about it it's i really like the they've got a title card jump scare which is really funny like oh, they're, they're, I don't remember they're in the they're in the car well the little kind of buggy to get to their a workstation and then just mid conversation the the words cabin of the woods pop up with a massive scream and it's like yeah. cabin of the woods you're yeah. in and you're like oh god <laughs> they're gonna really perks you up it's really good yeah i, remember that, yeah. I love i love cabin in the woods that's available to watch on prime right now as well mm. uh for free so god my weekend's gonna be great fun um <laughs> yeah it's just got all the sort of the sort of spooky elements as like like whatever your taste in horror films is like it's probably there in cabin in the woods like there's werewolves yeah. there's zombies there's vampires there's monsters there's serial psycho killers there's, there's a unicorn a unicorn like literally whatever <laughs> you could want to be in in there there's it's in there uh the ending is is mad like the, the story mm. is like full-blown bonkers but like i'm glad that it kind of like embraces that and like it knows it's over the top and a bit silly but that's absolutely fine um so yeah it's not really like an under the under the radar choice that i'm sure a lot of people who are listening to this still if you're still here hello <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, like cabin in the woods as well but if you haven't seen it do go and check that out and as i said it is it is available to watch on prime right now um Jeez. so that's that happy halloween to you both uh, I Happy you, Halloween! I hope both you, I hope you both have a very spooky, spooky, uh, spooky Saturday. Um, <laughs> that's been us, and that's been yeah, that's my mine and Tom's final episode of Jumpcast before we're sort of run out of town. Um, <laughs> Re- <laughs> that was nice knowing you. Yeah, Reese, I look forward to seeing you hosting more episodes in the future in my absence. <laughs> Cheers, sir. Thank um, you. <laughs> Handing the reins over. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, thank you for everybody who's listening to this one. Sorry, me and Tom couldn't be more positive about what a film probably most of you absolutely adore but <laughs> such is life that's why we all like films because it's all so subjective um but yeah that's been our halloween special uh so all that leaves me to do is say thank you to you tom thank you for having me on pleasure as always thank you reese thank you very much as always no problem and uh yeah thank you me <laughs> 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 we'll see you next time yeah thank you we'll see you next time <laughs> Bye bye